minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street! Five, four, three, two, one. Hello and welcome in to the first off-season edition of the Mass and All Access podcast from the Mass and Newsroom. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings joining you live on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel. Hopefully you are tuning in, commenting along. We love having you a part of the show. And if not, you're catching us after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and or SoundCloud. I never, I'm always confused, Amy. Is this the 2021 off season or the 2022 off season? I feel like we've had this conversation before. It's a 2021 off season. Okay, I, I, I agree. I, but so, like, we'll have to just have to put a slash. We need a, we need like a cohesive, like, the baseball world come together and decide on this because like if you look at like baseball reference when a player is entering free agency like i always think back to bryce harper's free agency right everyone knew it was 2018 but his baseball reference free agent you know you know how they say the free agent thing on this page in the year it always said 2019 because it was that off season yes but so but like if we're calling it the, but right, we would no, no, say he's a free agent right. in the 2018 yeah. off season but it, it, they said 2019. We need to all come together and say it right, is. Because off-season comes before spring training, so it should be the year before. Yeah, but there's still a month and a half bet- from the start of the new year before spring training. Oh, That's what's confusing because the, the, the off-season wraps around the year. It's right. the only off-season that does that. Right. You know, baseball, no, no, sorry, basketball, hockey, and football, they, their seasons wrap around the year, right. and their off-season remains the same over the summer. On this podcast, we're going to say – 2020. We're gonna say yeah, the, the the year before the 2021 the first season. half of the off-season. the 2021 off season. Yes, yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Actually, I, I, guess I always there's get not confused. An I always get confused. But we are calling this the 2021 off season. Our first podcast. The Nationals end the season by being swept by the Red Sox. A chance to make, create some chaos. It was set up perfectly for them, Amy. On Sunday afternoon, they had a five-one lead at one point. In the middle of that game, and they couldn't get the job done, and um, the American League wild card is was settled pretty easily mm-hmm. with the Yankees at Red Sox and tonight. When we were talking about it last week, I thought for sure they would take one of that series. Yeah, I thought they would at least factor into that decision. We maybe we had just a little bit too much faith, but like you said, they had a five-one lead, but five runs wasn't enough in that game clearly, and we had a bullpen meltdown in true Nationals form to cap off the season. Um, but I really thought they would factor into that decision. They didn't. And they ended the season with, what, 97 losses? Yes, they finished. I have it right here. They finished 65 and 97 last in the National League. We'll, we'll get to what this all – well, let's just I guess, talk about it. First of all, going on with what we're going to talk about today, um, we're going to discuss Ryan Zimmerman, of course, getting a huge ovation and a salute from the Nationals Park crowd on Sunday afternoon. We're going to talk about – is this the end of Mr. National? What does the future hold for him? He doesn't even know. We'll hear from Ryan. We'll hear from Davey Martinez. Um, we're also, we'll do our postseason predictions. We're going to pick the playoff bracket before the playoffs get underway on Tuesday night with the American League wildcard game. We'll preview a little bit of the offseason to come. There's still a lot of question marks because there's a new CBA that has yet to be signed. Um, but let's just, yeah, let's recap the end of the season since we're kind of getting into it. 65-97, they lost two, or they lost eight of their last ten games, the Nationals do. They are solely in last place, back-to-back last place finishes in their own division. Uh, that First time that's happened since 
2010, 2011. I don't even think they finished last place in 2011. So maybe 2009, 2010 seasons. Um, But on the plus side, you're looking at a rebuilding team. If the draft rules stay the same heading into next year, they will have the number five overall pick. And that's the highest they've picked since Anthony Rendon went number six overall back in 2011. And the first time the Nationals will be in the top five since they picked Bryce Harper with the top pick in 2010. Yeah, and that's the Nationals, well, they're not used to picking that high right. in the first round. Which is a good thing. Which is a good thing, obviously, because that means you're winning. Uh, it's the first time in a long time, um, just like you said, since Anthony Rendon. So we'll see if they can find any luck with that. But there is always a, a bright spot at the end of a, a losing tunnel. Um, and that's how the Nationals get a higher draft pick. Uh, we kind of figured they would be top 10. And if everything stays the same, they will pick fifth overall. Yeah. And, you know, there could be some changes, that being mostly. Are they going to do a, a draft lottery? Mm-hmm. Um, it could be just remaining the same where worst record gets top pick and then goes on by the next best, yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, I don't know if the lottery really works. I mean, we can talk about it later. Let's, we don't have to get into it right now. I don't know if the lottery <laughs> really works in baseball. Yeah, I think it seems Because if you look at a team like the Orioles who have been in for a couple-year rebuild, where would they be? They've had a, they've, they're going to have their second number one overall pick, I think, in the last four drafts coming up next year. They picked one. I think two and five mm-hmm. last year, and then now mm-hmm. one again one. next year. What would they be if they got messed over by yeah, the lottery and had to be picking closer to like the back end of the top 10? I mean, they, they could be in a completely different place right now in their own rebuild. So I don't think that really works in baseball with larger farm uh, systems, larger roster sizes than you see in basketball. Yeah, um, so, but we can have that conversation another yeah, time. We can get into that maybe. In yeah. Like this um, we, we obviously have no idea how that's going to shake out, but back to the this weekend. I mean, you mentioned the bullpen, Amy, and this is from our own Mark Zuckerman on his morning post on MassInSports.com. I saw him tweet it out this morning. Talk about the bullpen. 5-1 lead in the sixth inning. Johan Adan, who we'll talk to talk about in a minute with his major league debut, pitches great against a really good Red Sox lineup, looking to get into the postseason. Um, and then the bullpen was charged with its 42nd loss of the season, setting a Major League Baseball record for the most losses charged to a single bullpen over the course of a season. If that doesn't encapsulate what the Nash- this Nationals pitching staff went through this season, I don't know what else does. Right, and on top of that, tied for the highest ERA, that bull- highest bullpen ERA in the National League. And kind of in this game, the two guys who blew it are two guys we praised so highly last week and mm-hmm. Eric Fetty and Kyle Finnegan and that just goes to show you um, how you know not cohesive or you know a done deal or set deal every time this bullpen goes out there um, so they had I mean and um, Mike Rizzo talked about it you know when he addressed the media the last or Sunday um, before the last game of the season you know this team is set up on pitching but he emphasized starting pitching and a result of maybe the this you know lack of success with the bullpen is because their starting pitching isn't going as deep into games. And, I mean, it didn't surprise me because obviously Mike Rizzo is always talking about starting pitching, but Mm -hmm. it kind of surprised me that the bullpen has been so bad and he was kind of – obviously starting pitching hasn't been great, but he was still kind of putting it on the starting pitching. Um, So it seems that this offseason it's not necessarily – they're going to have to maybe sign an arm or two in that bullpen, but it's still going to be starting pitching forward. Yep. Also from Mark Zuckerman this morning, talk about the starting pitching. He – Broke down why the Nationals need to address the entire pitching staff this offseason with quotes from Rizzo, like you mentioned. Um, but uh, the starters were averaging only getting uh, finishing about five innings per outing. That's their lowest that they've ever had 
uh, as a collective unit in a long time. So starters not getting deep in the game doesn't it really a it's a yeah. back and forth right there. You're gonna have to work as a cohesive unit. Uh, you know, I, Max Scherzer shipped off at the deadline. Patrick Corbin had one of the worst seasons in a national starter has ever had. Neil Steven Strasburg for a vast majority of the season. And then you get a lot of these young arms who aren't used to pitching, one, in high-level situations, two, all the innings that they pitched because, you know, you've chipped off guys like Brad Hand, like Daniel Hudson, mm -hmm. Will Harris was hurt, yada, yada, yada. And it's just a recipe for disaster, and that's what they kind of got. And, um, you know, didn't go back and count, but of those eight losses in the last 10 games, I would say at least half of them were probably leads blown by the bullpen at some mm -hmm. point. And yeah, the thing is, is like they don't have a plethora of, of healthy or, or quality arms out in that bullpen. So yeah. your starter doesn't go as deep into games, but still at the end of the day, they're going to have to have somebody. I mean, I don't care if your starter goes eight innings, you still have to have somebody to go out there and pitch the ninth. Um, so they're going to have to have some kind of recipe of at least two or three quality um, arms in that bullpen. So it's definitely a combination of both, but you're starting pitching, not going into deep into games, like you said, averaging five innings each start, which is the lowest in, in the club's record or in the club's history, isn't good, but you have to have some kind of quality arms out there. So I do hope uh, we'll get into the offseason and what they need to address, but I do hope that's an area that Mike Rizzo, you know, it, doesn't kind of ignore because he's so focused on starting pitching. 827 and two-third innings combined covered by Washington National starters, and that is the lowest total in a non-pandemic shortened season that the Nationals pitching staff has ever had, which is not a great sign. But a good sign that we did see on Sunday, speaking of starting pitching, now didn't get too deep into the game, but I don't think the expectation was that he would get right. deep in the game, was Johan Adan making his Major League debut, um, you and I predicted kind of that we thought we would see some combination of Paolo Espino and Eric Fetty. Davey said, you know, Paolo, take the day off. Enjoy the offseason. You're, you're done. Um, and Don looks great. I mean, this is, he's a 22nd ranked overall prospect on M per MLB pipeline for the Nationals. Not a very highly rated guy. I think Nationals fans probably recognize the name a little bit. Don't know too much about him. He's been in the lower levels for a long time. Only made one start at AAA before this debut. It was impressive to see him go out there and pitch the way he did, again, against a, a tough lineup looking to get into the postseason. Right. I mean, just you don't I mean, you don't hear a whole lot about him because, A, they have so many of these, you know, high, more highly ranked pitchers in their system and Kate Cavalli and Jackson Rutledge and so on and so forth. Um, and then you throw on top that Yohan Adan only made one start at AAA. I think it was only four total above single A mm -hmm. um, this year. So I kind of didn't see this coming, but no better time, I guess, than to throw him out there. And he handled the situation really well. Um, and I think he had better stuff than I even realized. He struck out six of the first 12 batters he faced. It ended up getting nine strikeouts in his debut. And the only one to have more strikeouts in their debut was, of course, Steven Strasburg, mm -hmm. uh, who, who has the Nationals record for that. Um, but he did a good job. He handled it well. Like you said, didn't go too deep into the game, um, but I think that was to be expected. Um, and, of course, he had Alex Avila, the experienced catcher out there with him, uh, which I think probably only helped ease the, the stress of your MLB debut. Yeah, and, and he only went four scoreless innings in his only start at AAA Rochester. Hit strikeout seven. If I recall correctly, he walked three or four. Did a little bit better on that front uh, against the Red Sox. Only three walks, but three walks and nine strikeouts for a major league debut. You'll take that um, from a 23-year-old who, like you said, hadn't pitched very high uh, and, and too much over the course of his young career. So, you know, he and he was charged with two runs. 
Patrick Murphy allowed one of those runs in once he was relieved. So, and the only, you know, going into the sixth, he was, he had a lead and he only had given up the, the one solo home run earlier in the game. So, very impressive stuff. I think that's a good sign. One, that the Nationals not only entrusted Adon to get up here as a 22nd overall prospect, you know, there there's other pitchers in between that they decided not to bring up and they decided on him. And two, right. that he performed admirably and well, got that first taste of Major League Baseball, Major League facing a Major League lineup, and like you said, Alex Avila helping him along. That makes you feel a little bit, you know, better going into next year when you're looking at this rotation. Not necessarily that Adon's going to start the year uh, in this rotation, but he certainly probably has a you know, a shot at it uh, throughout the beginning of the season. And you're going to see these young guys, but it's not just the guys at the top of your organization. There are the dons of this organization that can come up and, and you saw it right there. So a good way to finish the season on a high note, as far as starting pitching goes. Um, and I was kind of surprised they sent him out there for the sixth inning, but yeah. you know, he kept it together. Obviously that run ended up scoring Patrick Murphy. Um, but you know, good stuff. You have to like what you saw from him. I mean, he got his last strikeout and then gave up back-to-back singles mm-hmm. um, and, and then was and then was pulled. But Dave Martino was very complimentary of him, very impressed by him. So a name to keep an eye on next. Uh, I mean, like you said, probably not going to be, you know, competing for a major league roster spot out of spring training. But, you know, you could see him probably at double-A, maybe even triple-A early on next year and working on some stuff with some other impressive pitchers. You look at the Cavallis, the Rutledges, hopefully Jackson bounces back next year. So... A team that prides itself on pitching did not perform well this year, but some good signs coming up in the future. And you mentioned Alex Avila. Let's talk into him about him real quick because it was his last major league game of the, of his career. He's retiring at the end of this season. Uh, Davey giving him uh, the start, and of course another great ov- uh, ovation. We're going to talk about another ovation in just a second. But how about Alex, you know, he gives the Nationals the early lead, a two run double uh, down the line. Look at him hustling to second base. Uh, I mean. A pretty good way to go end your career. I mean, you know, contributing, guiding a young pitcher. I mean, for a veteran catcher, that's, I don't think, I can't think of too many better ways to go out. Right. I mean, you you were happy he got that two-run double in this game. You're happy he got to catch this Joanna Don in his Major League debut. It was kind of like a, a game in true Alex Avila form. You know, he mm-hmm. we missed so many games from him this season because he was hurt or the COVID and yada yada. But he did have some important hits this season. I mean, he mm-hmm. did hit and he was an important addition, um, you know, to this ball club. At one point, he was the, you know, it was supposed to be Jan Gomes and him on a competing team. And the kind of the season obviously ended very different with him mentoring these two young catchers in Riley Adams and Caber Ruiz. Um, but I was happy he got that hit. Happy, you know, they could give him innovation and a salute to a you know a solid 13 season career. Yeah, uh, not many guys, especially catchers, make it that many years in the bigs. Um, so, you know, congratulations to him, and I think we'll see him here pretty soon. <laughs> you're going to see him, if you're watching postseason baseball uh, this October, you're going to see him on your television set today. MLB Network announced that he's going to be joining the their in-studio uh, uh, coverage as an yeah. analyst throughout the postseason. Um, I know MLB Network has a couple exclusive games in, within the uh, division series um, just from now and through this weekend. So you'll probably see Alex a couple times on the week uh, on your television. And, and, and you know what? Kudos to the Red Sox, too. It's impressive. They're a team looking – I mean, not many people want to give kudos to the Red Sox, but you got to because they're a team, like I said, trying to get into the postseason at the time. In a neck-and-neck battle, they're losing the game, and they come out, take time to salute Alex Avila – uh, just recognizing right. that he has had a great career, 13 years, and he's calling it 
uh, career at the end of the day. Um, good on Davey to give Alex that uh, you know that chance to to get that ovation and good for the Red Sox to to kind of come out on the out of the dugout and, and tip their caps as right. well. Right. I mean, truly everything on the Red Sox side was very classy in this yeah. game because it's an important game um, for them too. But they made sure that they give gave Alex Avila his moment, Ryan Zimmerman too, of course, and you know Alex Avila's and Nationals fans too. But Alex Avila has only been with the Nationals for one right. year, so it's, yeah, it's a little bit different Not for even, him, like right? But you know, ten months exactly. But you know, real recognizes real. Yeah. They they you know they were they were very classy about it, and obviously you know he deserved that moment and and that respect for a good career. Oh uh, well, of course, you know it, we talked about the game, talked about Alex pitching Johanna Don, but the real story on Sunday was Ryan Zimmerman. Was this the last time oh. we saw him in a Nationals uniform? He, he we'll hear from him in a second, but he receives an incredible ovation from the crowd, as he should, both from the crowd and from both teams on the sidelines. Um, you know, it's an emotional moment. You know, as a kid who grew up a Nationals fan, you know, Ryan Zimmerman was the first player that signaled that they're going to be good. The franchise's first draft pick uh, right. in D.C. And the local kid only grew up two hours away from D.C., went to UVA. So, you know... If this is the end, what a career, what a time. Um, but, I mean, that was just an emotional moment for him, and, and obviously he got super emotional on the field uh, soaking it all in. And I've never seen Ryan Zimmerman like that ever. Yeah, true. I mean, when they won the World Series, he was obviously not emotional. That was more and, happy. Yeah, it yeah. Was, that's like the most emotion I'd seen from him and in, in, in that he was so, so excited. Um, and this was kind of... Not the opposite of that because, you know, it's not it's not that he's sad, but just clearly emotional, and that's what you kind of have to be. And I don't know. I mean, I know we're going to hear from him, and he still says that he hasn't decided, but after this moment, it's kind of, I don't know. I, I don't know that I necessarily can see him coming back, whereas before this, even going into this game, I was almost kind of more completely weighing, leaning on the other side in that – I thought for sure he was coming back. Well, well, we'll give our opinions on all of that on the other side of this, but let's hear from Ryan himself. It's it's a lengthy clip, but he deserves it. It's a roughly six minutes, but the, the first half of his, and not even half, it was a little less than half, he's talked for a long time, of his post-game press conference that was not shown on Masson, actually, because of all the uh, uh, on-field celebrations and stuff after the end of the season. So if you haven't seen this yet, this might be new to you. Ryan Zimmerman, after possibly his last game of the national uniform, talking about what it meant to spend his whole career here and the emotions he felt on the field on Sunday. Yeah. Um, you know, I talked to Heather last night a little bit, and she was like, you need to do something. I'm, you know, she tells me, and I talked to Al afterwards too. I mean, we're so conditioned to downplay everything and keep everything even keel. I mean, that's, you know, what we're taught to do as baseball players. Um, so, you know, because I'm not sure really, I didn't want to make a big deal out of something, but, you know, the last couple of days with the pinch hits, when the fans would, you know, stand up every time and, um, you know, just kind of the energy and the, you know, the feeling in the park, I think it was, you know, it was good to do that more for, I would say them than me, I guess is the best, best answer. Um, you know, say whenever the off season comes and I do decide not to come back, uh, I think I would look back at today and feel like I should have done something to thank them. Um, so that's kind of what it came down to. Um, 
I went in and talked to Davey when I got here today and he said, let, let him do his job because he had already planned to do something like that. Uh, but I, you know, I, I wanted to do it for, for the fans and for the people in the stadium. Um, obviously I have a special relationship with this fan base and the community. Um, and talking with Heather last night, I think if I do retire this off season or I didn't do anything today, I would have regretted it. Were you surprised at all by any of the emotions that you felt as it all played out, whether the first at bat or the removing from the game, any of it? Uh, not really. I mean, you know, we're humans, man. We, uh, you know, this has been something I've done for a long time. I mean, I, I got here when I was 20 and I'm 37 now. So, you know, for the better part of my life, really, this is what I've, what I've known and, and what I've done every day. So, um, you know, we don't ever plan on that happening. Um, I think it just kind of shows you how much, you know, how much this city means to me, how much the organization means to me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I wouldn't say I was surprised. Um, ever since I've had two daughters, I cry all the time anyway. So, you know, it's, uh, it's just part of it now. You just got to, you just own it pretty much is how it works. Hey, Zim, for so many years, just coming to this ballpark is something that's routine for you. So what was it like uh, coming to the ballpark today, being the season finale in this situation? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's obviously carries a little bit different meaning when, you know, it could be the last time you come or the last time you get, you know, come to the field and play baseball. Um, you know, we get to play baseball for a job, I guess, if you want to call it a job, um, you know, Everyone always says, don't take it for granted. Don't, you know, and I, I don't think we do take it for granted, but sometimes you get caught up in the grind and, you know, you get into the routine and you don't really realize how cool it is to, to play baseball for a living. So, you know, those things cross your mind. Um, I think, you know, I'm going to be a part of this organization one way or the other moving forward. So that made it a little bit easier. Um, you know, I think your teammates and, and that part of it is the, is the hardest part. You know, competing and playing baseball and, and being able to go out there and compete at the highest level for the game that you grew up playing is obviously awesome. But I think, you know, the guys in the clubhouse, the friendships you make, uh, the camaraderie, the traveling together, you know, those things are, are what I think I'll miss most and guys who have played for a while and retired are, you know, they say that's kind of what they miss the most. So, um, so yeah, I mean, driving in today, walking in today, you think about all that stuff, but, uh, you know, I'm pretty lucky to have been able to do it for as long as I, as long as I have. So it's hard to, to have any, uh, you know, feel sorry or anything like that. I think it's an exciting day. My family was here. Um, so if this, you know, if this is the last day, it was, it was a hell of a day. What does tomorrow look like for you? What is day one <laughs> of an off season, potentially long yeah. off season now look well, like for you? My girls get on the bus at 745. So the alarm will go off around 630. Uh, so, you know, I think that's, that's part of the, the process as well. I mean, they're getting older. Um, you know, I have the ability to possibly be around more, which a lot of parents, my parents didn't have that ability. 
I mean, most people's parents don't have that ability. Uh, we're lucky to be in the situation where I'm retiring because I'm old and I'm 37 <laughs> with, you know, my whole, whole life ahead of me. Uh, you know, a lot of people miss a lot of these, these years with their kids and their family. So, you know, that's the biggest decision for me, honestly. Um, you know, do I want to keep playing? I think I can keep playing. I think I had a really good year with the role that I was supposed to, you know, to do. And, you know, now it's a decision of, you know, whether I want to keep doing that or, you know, do I want to be around, around my family a little bit more. Again, that press conference was not shown on Masson on Sunday, so if you want to check out the entirety of Zimmerman meeting with the media after uh, Sunday's game, 15 minutes long, it's on the Masson Nationals YouTube channel. Go ahead and check that out to hear from Zim. Lots to unpack there. My two main takeaways right there, Amy, are, one, he says he doesn't think he's done playing. He says he'll see how his body is, but he doesn't think he's done. And, and But two... He clearly wants to spend a lot more time with his family. So those are going to be the two things that weigh heavy on his mind over the next couple of months. And that has to be a hard decision. I mean, if you, like, you're right on the, on the edge and you, you could spend one more year with your family or, you know, then that year spend more time with your kids. Um, I don't know. What I, what I liked about what he said is, is how lucky. I mean, most baseball players are and their families are like, I missed so many years with my family because I was playing. And, you know, that doesn't mean that they didn't enjoy playing and aren't thankful, but they, they – they worry about those years that they miss. Whereas Zimmerman was like, you know, I'm kind of lucky that I'm in the situation where I can retire so so young and still spend so many years with my family. So that, that was kind of an interesting um, way to look at it. And, and that has to be a hard decision. But he also said, um, you know, aside from the fact that he said that he still might play, he said that he's always going to be a part of this organization. Yeah. And that kind of makes you wonder at what capacity, you know, what does right. he what does he mean by that? Not just that, you know, I'm an international for life or, you know, I want to stay a part of this team. Um, but it's it's going to be completely different. And, of course, he talked about that and recognizes that being out there and competing every day with your teammates and being in the front office or, you know, whatever it may be is completely different. Um, and, and he'll never get that back. So it has to be a hard decision to make. And I probably truly believe that he hasn't made his mind up yet. Yeah, I don't think so either. And he said that as much multiple times. And David confirmed that. Um, you know, we'll hear from Davey as well in a couple of minutes. He was a lot, lot shorter, but just talking about him and, and Avila. But l let's take this conversation two ways, okay? Um, one, let's say he does come back. Let's say in, you know, new year, after the new year, we're in 2022. Mike Rizzo calls. What do you want to do? Ryan Zimmerman says, you know what? I think I got one more left in me. What do you, what do you got? What role could Zimmerman play on this team next year? If he decides to come back? I mean, I would say probably the same role that he played this yeah. year. Um, if I feel like we're almost having an identical conversation that we were having yeah. last year and, you know, he made the choice to come back and, you know, is kind of, he's still, I mean, he's been a productive bat for the most yeah. part still when he comes in. Um, and he can kind of be that second option at first base and still that veteran presence that a rebuilding team is really going to need. Um, so I think that that'll be helpful. And like Mike Rizzo says, you know, as long as he wants to play, I will give him a contract and you know it has to be also hard knowing that you still can do it you know a lot of people you know retire when the wheels fall off the wagon yeah, yeah. and they feel like they can do it but if he feels like he can physically do it it has to be hard to hang it up I mean you think about it he got a year off essentially between winning a world series and true spring training this year so that helps his body he well, took a bench role this year so he didn't play as many innings and took as many at bats as where he's used to so that 
probably helps his longevity as well. 110 games this season. Zimmerman slashed 243, 286, 471 with 14 home runs, 46 RBIs, 16 doubles, and 16 walks. Crazy enough, and now this is with a caveat that obviously guys were traded off um, and they play with a young team, but he finished fourth on the team in games played, third in home runs, third in RBIs, and third in extra base hits. Now, guys like Trey Turner um, finished ahead of him in, in, in those couple of those categories but did not finish the season with the, right. with the team, obviously. So if you're going to get 110 games from Zimmerman next year, and also remember early part in the season – he was playing more than we thought he would because Josh Bell was struggling. Mm -hmm. So in an ideal world, if we get to 2022, Josh Bell does not have, knock on wood, a COVID outbreak at right at the end of spring training, gets off to a normal start of the season. He plays a majority of the year, and uh, it plays like we just saw him play at the end of this year, becomes a viable trade piece by the next trade deadline, gets sent off. You know, if you're going to get 110 games right. and – around 15 home runs and around 50 RBIs from Ryan Zimmerman next year with the anticipation that you're probably going to trade Josh Bell in his walk year. If Zimmerman's down, I can't imagine the Nationals wouldn't be down either. And then on top of that, you add the clubhouse leadership and the fact that he is, you know, the un, you know, the unofficial captain of this team um, and, and brings what he brings to the ballpark every single day, what he means to this fan base every single day. All top of all of that, you're getting solid production from your backup first baseman. And that only makes the decision, I think, more difficult because it's not like – I mean, he stayed healthy all year. That's Ryan true. Zimmerman stayed healthy all year. It's not like he was, you know, up and down. And he played so many games, um, which I don't think he probably expected to play that many games. So that only makes it more difficult because he knows that he, the production is still there. He knows that he can still play – a lot of games um, and stay healthy. So that, and also the way Mike Rizzo talked about Josh Bell and his role in this organization, I think is interesting. Um, you know, theoretically, if he has a good first half of next season, it would make sense to trade him. But I don't know. We talked very highly of Josh Bell. So that also kind of throws something into the mix. Um, to start the season or as far as Ryan Zimmerman retiring, I don't think that has any weight on it. But as they get farther on in, in the season, I think that'll be an interesting conversation to have. Zimmerman was also very highly rated at first base, although only in 52 games. Um, we know what he brings on the glove. And then he had seven extra base hits, including two home runs and six RBIs as a pinch hitter. So some solid pinch hitting at-bats coming out of the bench too um, as a late defensive sub. That's another piece of the puzzle that he brings value to the team and you know we know much david martinez values that coming off the bench um late in the season as well so there's a role there if he decides to come you know it there's again there's no spencer torkelson knocking on the door you know at first base in the nationals minor league system right. jake knoll was just named the triple a rochester player of the year but at third base will the nationals move him back to first i don't know um so there's no like top prospect at first base knocking on the door that zimmerman's going to be blocking between now and now, we d we'll break down the free agent market. You know, obviously the postseason has to play out first before we take a look at who's going to be free agents and what you know potential contracts will look like. But right now, it seems like there is an opening at as a back for a backup first exactly, baseman, yeah. and Zimmerman fits that role perfectly. It's not like Mike Rizzo is just being nice and saying because you've been yeah. here for seventeen years. Right. If you want a contract, you have it. They could really use him, yeah. and there's really nobody else there that fits that role. Um, right now so it's not you know he's not just being nice they could really use ryan zimmerman um and that just adds i mean i just can't imagine being ryan zimmerman right now yeah. but do you do you think it's like 
kind of weird if he comes back after that. Yeah. Like, farewell. I, I, I think for sure. I, I, I would also, but out on the same side, I would also err on the side of caution. Like, if it is the last, you would you don't want him, you don't want to not do it and then him have and be like, right. you know what, my body's not into it. I can't do it. Um, my family needs me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat. Then that's, you know, that's like the Nationals missing their chance for a victory lap in front of their fans after the World Series. Like, you don't give Zimmerman that chance to have that moment. Give him that moment, and if he decides to come back, just do it again. Yeah, I agree. And the way uh, Ryan Zimmerman phrased it, it was he, when he said, you know, I felt like I kind of owed it to the fans. Yeah. Um, they kind of needed that closure, it would have kind of sucked. It would have sucked if he played last year, and that would have been his last year, and there weren't fans in the stands, and, you know, he didn't get that goodbye. Um, so uh, he deserves it, and I, I think it was good. I think you're right. But – it will be weird. It, yeah, it's, it is it's weird. kind of weird. You know, but is uh, it weird that the Nationals were still celebrating the 2019 World Series this year when the Dodgers were the defending champs? Sure. Yeah. But we all made through. It's it, everything will be. Everything's fine. weird right everything's now. Everything's right? weird. And that's. I mean, that's just kind of the gamble that you take when you don't make your decision before your final, or yeah. you know, in the middle of your final season, or before your final season, um, and it's still up in the air. You make it in that off season, in the 2021 off season. Um, <laughs> then that's just the risk you take. But I mean, Nationals fans are will be more than warm and welcoming, yeah. welcoming to, to Ryan Zimmerman. I'm sure back. there will be. And there, I'm sure there were plenty of fans who weren't there that would decide next 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 time they wouldn't buy a ticket. Well, one more point to make before we get to hear what Davey has to say about Zim. Um, and Zim kind of mentioned this, the competitiveness of the team next year. The Nationals aren't going to win a lot of games. It's going to be another year just like this without the expectations. You know, we're, we're going to expect them to be a bad team next year. Does Zimmerman really want to sh- go through that without a lot of winning and not, not a chance to make the playoffs again, just to call it quits a year from now. Like what, how much, I, I, how much would he be willing to do that? Right. I think kind of two things factor into that. One is he got his world series. Yeah. And I think that makes a difference. If he didn't get that, I don't know that he'd want to sit around and be on a losing team another year for what, yeah. you know, yeah. stick around for what, but, and then on top of that also, the way kind of Ryan Zimmerman has been talking since the trade deadline and everything, it's he's not negative. I mean, it's kind of, and that might be his veteran experience, you yeah. know, because Juan Soto's kind of on the other side of things. You can feel his frustration, um, and, and he's young and he wants to win, whereas Ryan Zimmerman, I think, kind of brings more of that veteran presence and is like, you know, hey, I, I know my role here. Yeah. I can help you, you guys get back on track, at least to a, a certain extent. Well, Juan Soto in his last press conference of the season mentioned that he would want to see Ryan Zimmerman back next year. He knows how much that Zim means to the city. Davey Martinez also mentioned that a bunch on Sunday. He was asked about Zim and what Alex Avila has meant to this team and their careers as a whole. Here's Davey Martinez in his final postgame press conference of the 2021 season. Wow, it's, um, you know, just uh, you, look, you look when uh, Zim goes out and, and uh, Avila goes out and it's, it's almost uh, the passing of the torch. Um, you know, those guys had amazing careers. Uh, still don't know what Zim's plans are. Um, so we'll see what happens this winter. But, you know, Alex, it was a joy to, to be with Alex once again. Um, truly a, 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 a professional, one of, the, one of the best guys I've, I've known. Um, uh, and it was emotional, you know. Um, they, didn't, they didn't think I was going to do that. And uh, Alex said, all I kept thinking about was wanting to punch you. <laughs> but... I said, hey, had to be done. You guys deserve it. So, um, but you know, hey, like I said, you know, I saw some good things, you know, over the last couple of months. Uh, so some of our young players, you know, played well, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, 
to 2022 spring training and the future for this organization. As you saw today, um, one of our young pitches, Adon, came in and, and uh, was 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 lights out. You know, he pitched really well. So that was that's encouraging. And uh, you know, I love I love his attitude. I love the way he went out there and and did his thing today. So it was good. So you know, we're gonna sit. You know, it's gonna be a long winter. We're gonna sit back and and reassess. But you know, we're gonna get better. Um, and we're gonna get better soon. So. I'm excited about uh, the future, especially with some of our young kids. So you kind of planned those two things out all along or sort of the moment in the game felt right for you to do that and they didn't know it was coming? No, I kind of planned. I planned it, but, I, you know, I wanted to wait and see where we're at in, in the game. And, um, uh, you know, for me, it was it was really the right thing to do for both those guys. I mean, they, they deserve it. Like I said, they had, both had unbelievable careers, uh, uh, unbelievable, you know, and I can't speak enough for Zim and what he's meant to Washington, uh, this organization, to me, uh, teammates. I mean, it was a good moment. Oh, Zim, you know, I knew that coming in. I mean, um, yeah, I watched him play for so many years from the other side, and uh, and what a player he was, you know. Uh, I want, you know, I mean, till this day, I mean, look what he did today in a new role. Uh, he did phenomenal for us this year. He was coming off the bench, uh, starting, at, you know, at, at first base, and uh, I'm being such an unbelievable inspiration to all all the guys you know yesterday uh ball in the air you know routine fly ball that would always stick out to me of what what he what he is and what he what he meant so um like i said it was, it was an honor to be with him i don't know what the, his plans are but um i'll always remember him before i go i, I just want to thank the fans um for all their support i mean they've been amazing uh, all the all the stuff we've been through all year uh for the last two years uh, they keep showing up and and I, and I want to thank you. So thank you all. David Martinez with another nice message to Nats fans to end that uh, press conference as well. You talk, you talked a lot about what Zim meant to this organization in this city. So that brings us to the second part of this conversation, <laughs> the other path. If Zim does not come back, what's the role that he could play? Because he also mentioned that his time with the Nationals isn't completely done. Maybe as a player it is, but not as you know a participant or a member. What role could Zim play in the organization if not as a player? And the thing about Ryan Zimmerman where it's a little bit different than Alex Avila is that he knows this organization so well. He's right. been there since it started. So it's where Alex Avila is kind of clear cut. He wants to get into coaching and you mm -hmm. can kind of see that clearly. I don't know that there's necessarily you see that same path with, with Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, just because he hasn't spoken outwardly about it, I guess. Yeah. Um, and he's a little bit more quiet, more behind the scenes. So I, I don't know, but I, I definitely think he'll stick around and stick around this organization at least, just like you said. Yeah, the thing like, that's well put, and I think to add on top of that was Zim, what he has been very vocal about is that when he decides to hang it up, a lot of it's going to be because he wants to spend more time with his family. Mm -hmm. If he were to go right into coaching – or the front office scouting assistant, you know, a special assistant to Mike Rizzo, whatever it may be, that's still a lot of time away from the family. That's a, that's a lot of hours being logged at the ballpark. My guess, and my guess it would be something along the lines of maybe a special advisor, advisor. fan ambassador, alumni ambassador for the team between the learners and the fan base. You know, he will appear at all of the, the charity functions and he'll – when every time the Nationals open a new ballpark around D.C. Uh, for the kids, he'll be there cutting the ribbon. They already have they have a foundation, right? Oh him yeah, the Nationals Foundation. And, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, and then and, and uh, yeah, the, the the Zimmerman Foundation as well. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it, to me that's that's an ideal role for Zim. I don't think he wants to get into 
television or radio right away at least. So Dan, Bob, and FP, your jobs are and uh, our jobs are safe for now. <laughs> I know he wasn't a guy that actively sought out the camera. You know, he was very professional when he had to be on camera, but he didn't really seek it out. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's gonna go seek it out right now. Um, so my, my guess, I can see him being like the alumni ambassador. You know, if the Nationals decide to home like hold like a homecoming event for former players or whatever it may be, Zimmerman will be like In the, the guy, type right? Of- or you know. Uh, Nats Fest. There'll be like a Q&A with Ryan Zimmerman. You know, he'll, you'll see him Stick walking around. around. Yeah. You, you'll see him you know, shaking hands in meetings, season ticket holders, stuff like that. I think that's kind of a, a more role suited for him that allows him to spell, still spend time with the family, but also still be around the team. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that because any job in baseball, especially coaching and the front mm-hmm. o- in the front office, you're so involved. You're not at home. You're, you're away from your family. And if a big part of his reason and a big part of his decision, whether to retire or not is whether he is you know ready to be at home with his family or not uh ready he's like i'm not ready for this oh gosh um then i think you know i think that's a big part of it and then he's he's not going to jump right back into the game i wouldn't imagine but we'll see i mean it's exciting to see he'll always be a part of the organization whether it's super involved um in a direct role or or not so much right so i mean there's i'm glad at the very least that he straight up said you know, I'm not done with this organization. Right. I might be done as a player, but I will still be around. I think because, look, you're also at an important, I was thinking about this earlier today, as myself, you know, I mean, I'm almost 30. You're a little younger than me. But there is a gap in the fan base. You have a lot of young fans who are now growing up to love Juan Soto. Mm-hmm. And when they think of the Nationals, they think of Juan Soto. You think of people like me and older, you – People, when they think of the Nationals, they think of Ryan Zimmerman. There's a gap right there, and Ryan Zimmerman could be, you know, with the Nationals transitioning into a complete rebuild, there are going to be a lot of faces that you do not recognize and a lot of new names. Um, These aren't going to be, you know, your father's Nationals in a couple of (laughs) years. Ryan Zimmerman could be a great person to keep the older generations of the fan base invested and involved with the team as they move forward with this rebuild and bring in a whole bunch of new young players. Yeah, I think that's a good point because they're already not necessarily at a disadvantage, but kind of at a disadvantage in that aspect because they're such a young organization. Right. Um, so it is like the Ryan Zimmermans that you think are, you, you know, the old timers kind yeah. of, or who we yeah. grew up with. Um, and then going through a rebuild on top of that, um, you could have a completely different roster where you know literally nobody. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how this kind of, if they end up signing Juan Soto long-term, that could be the guy of the next generation. But Ryan Zimmerman um, could be the one that kind of eases the transition rather or sticks around for the duration of the transition at least. Yeah, and I, you know, there's also around D.C. there are also a lot of just casual fans, people who – Root for the Nationals because Ryan Zimmerman's still on the team, mm-hmm. and he's could be the guy that keeps them running. Like, hey, look at Juan Soto. Hey, look at Luis Garcia. Look at Josiah Gray coming up. Keep it Ruiz. So that that could be an important tie to keep this fan base invested with the team now, three years from now, five years from now, ten years from now. Um, you know, having a legend like Ryan Zimmerman around every single day. Yeah, and you you see the comments, and you know, just fans kind of down on their luck right now because it's tough to watch a losing oh, yeah. team, especially after you're coming off a World Series win, yeah. and it's tough. Sure. But when you have a guy who's completely buying in, who's been there, you know, all along, it kind of helps a little bit and kind of builds the confidence because he's seeing these players, he's seeing the young prospects, um, and if he has confidence in them, then 
fans should too. Right. All right. Well, I mentioned uh, casual fans, and you know, if you're just a straight up baseball fan, you're going to be continuing watching some important and fun games. Let's get to our 2021 playoff predictions real quick, Amy. Kind of breeze through these. The the playoffs officially start tonight on Tuesday. American League wild card game. I can't think of a better matchup for a one game playoff. Yankees at Red Sox, eight o'clock tonight. Nathan Avaldi versus Garrett Cole. Uh, who do you have? I know you had a personal stake in this game, I but know, who do you have in uh, this game? The Yankees. You have the Yankees. They're going to pull the Yankees. The Yankees are going to pull it out tonight. All right. So the Yankees, you have Gary. I'm also going to go Yankees. Um, I don't know why. I think um, I just. I, it's yeah, going to be. I'm going to well, take Gary Cole every It's going to be time. a good game. Yeah. Hopefully it's a but, good entertaining game. If it's anything like the 2019 NL wildcard game. I mean that we're in for you're in for a long night. <laughs> oh, so you got Yankees. I also have Yankees. National League wild card game. This is going to have some interest for some Nationals fans. Adam Wainwright for the uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals against Max Scherzer of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Trey Turner with the Dodgers as well. Who do you have in the National League this wild card? Is- like this is probably the t- toughest game for me or series to pick out of all of it. Um, I think with the injuries that the Dodgers have, they could get through this one game, baby. But the next series, they're going to be in a little bit of trouble. But Adam Wainwright and the Cardinals are hot. I'm st- I'm still going to go Dodgers okay. in one game. I think they can pull out the wild card game in the DS. I'm going to pick differently. I um I agree. I. Max Scherzer doesn't have the best of luck in the postseason. He's good, but he doesn't have – sometimes he runs into bad luck. 2019, right. obviously, notwithstanding. But One game. One game. The Cardinals are the hottest team in baseball. Because it's in L.A., I, I just can't imagine this veteran – even without Max Muncy, all the veteran experience they have, winning the World Series last year, I can't imagine the Dodgers lose this game. I think it's going to be close. I think and I hope it is. I think it's going to be I close. I, I just think the Dodgers somehow pull it out late. Um, and, and they move on to face their rival. So let's move on to the division series. American League starts on uh, uh, Thursday. We've got White Sox at Astros. Who do you have in that series? I'm going to take the White Sox. Woo-hoo. I kind of feel a little bit crazy, especially with the Astros lineup, but I'm going to take the White Sox. Do you have a – and how many games out of five? I'm going to say – Five. And five? Yep. I'm, I'm going to go the five. I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to go Astros in five. I, I, I can't. I, I'm rooting for Dusty. Got, gotta love Dusty. Dusty really deserves one. Um, what he's done with that franchise and all the hardships that they've gone through is is yeah. great. I know fans aren't a big fan of the players. I just think, you know, you look at the the Astros were two games better than the White Sox this year, but they were in such a harder division in the American League West with the uh, Athletics. No one saw the Mariners coming. Obviously, mm-hmm. Otani had an MVP caliber season in L.A. So um, I, I just think that, you know, wins above replacement. We're talking about, you know, I think they're a couple of wins better than the White Sox because of the division they played in. I'm going to take the Astros, but close I think in it's five. Good, yeah, it's a good pick. But um, All right. The other one would be uh, if you ha- you have the Yankees winning the wild card, so Yankees at Rays. Rays. Rays in how many? I'm going to say Rays in I'm gonna say raising five. In five, Ooh, hopefully, hopefully these come to fruition. That'd be make yeah. for exciting baseball. I'm gonna say raising four. I just that that raised pitching staff and, mm-hmm. and the depth they have and all. I mean, it's gonna be They're very so tough. Deep, and, and they did really well <laughs> against the Yankees this season. I think they won 11 games against the Yankees this year. Um, I, I think, you know, it's to me the Yankees' offense is very hit or miss. And uh, outside of Garrett Cole, who do you have? Unless Garrett Cole can somehow pitch two games, yeah, and if he pitches the Walker game, I, I don't mean, know if that's I, I know a lot of people are, the way Garrett Cole has been pitching are don't are like questioning the decision to pitch Cole tonight, yeah. which obviously you have to pitch Cole tonight, yeah, you have to. but 
You know, you don't know. You never know. We had this conversation back in 2019. Do you start Strasburg or do you start Scherzer? Right. You got to go with your best guy. Yep. All right, National League Division Series. I'll start Friday. First game would be Braves at Brewers. I'm going to take the Brewers. Brewers in? In four. In four. Yep. I'm going to take the Brewers in a clean sweep. Okay. I just – That's – Yeah. I mean, we thought the National League East was going to be the best division in baseball. They were the worst division in baseball this year. The The Braves are the only division winner not to win 90 games. They only won 88. Um, they are obviously banged up. No Acuna. Um, I, the, the Brewers pitching staff is, if not one of, the, if not the best, one of the best in all of baseball. Yeah. And they have home field advantage. I, I just think that this staff is going to shut down this offense. And I don't know who's pitching for the Braves that's going to be able to contain I think the Brewers' offense does enough, and I think they were, they're, they're, the they're able to sweep. Yeah, I think that might be the most – It's the least uneven, intriguing. Yeah, yeah. May, the most uneven matchup, yeah. maybe. It's the least say. intriguing. When mm-hmm. Now, perhaps the next most intriguing, with we both have the Dodgers at Giants. I'm going to have the – It's a Gi- shame this isn't seven games. Right, I know. I'm going to say the Giants in five. Giants in five. I'm also going to say the Giants in five. I think this we is going to be – These series going down to I wire. think these games – these are going to be some of the best baseball games between the Dodgers and Giants that we're going to see all season long. Obviously, National League West rivals, the two best teams in baseball all year. It's a shame that this has to be a five-game series in the first round. This should be the National League Championship Series, but it's not. And I, I just think that the Giants kind of feel like a team of des- destiny right now. They, mm-hmm. weren't, they were supposed to win 70 games or something like that. They won 107 or 8, whatever it was. So um, I, I think the Giants, it's going to be close. I think Giants in five as well. All right. Our championship series. You have, let me just get back to my notes here. You have White Sox Sox at Rays, and this will be in seven. So what do you have? Right. I'm going to say the Rays in five. Rays in five. Quick. Make quick work of the White Sox. Any reason why? Yeah. The Rays are the best team, I think. Okay. (laughs) I have Rays versus Astros. I'm going to say Rays in not five. I want to say. I want to say six or seven. I'm gonna say seven. Okay. I'm gonna say Dusty's boys battle. I want to give Dusty, you know, the benefit. It's not unfair. The Astros. I mean. No. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah great team. Yeah. I just that Rays staff. They can muster an offense yeah. from any portion of their lineup. They have a lot of great guys coming off the bench. I I think the Rays are are also right. on a redemption tour from last sure. year. But I'm going to say the Rays in seven. And then the National League, uh, you've got Brewers and Giants. I'm going to say Giants in six. Giants in six. I was actually going to say um, the same thing, Giants in okay. six. I don't I don't think five. I think the Brewers pitching staff is enough to get through five, but mm-hmm. I don't know if it's enough to get them to seven. Right. Um, okay, so then we each have the same World Series, Giants versus Rays. Who do you got? I'm going to say Rays in six. Just to be different, I'm going to say Giants in seven. Okay. Ooh. They feel like a team of destiny. I know the yeah. the, uh, the Rays are um, on a re- redemption tour. They they want to get back there. I think they will get back there. I just don't think uh, – I just this Giants team is, is, is incredible. It would be a great story. Of course, I say that they're going to lose in the first round right. now. So, right. um, so that's our picks. 
I got Giants in seven in the World Series. Amy's got the Rays in six in the World Series over the said Giants. Should be a fun watch. Uh, I love postseason baseball. I love when I don't have to cover postseason baseball, know, even though it's a little more fun, but I can just kind of relax. Friday is like one of the best days in the entire baseball calendar because all four series are mm-hmm. in play starting early in the afternoon. So that should be fun. I need to get out my calendar because I'm yeah. like, I'm like, which series is at what time? Two o'clock on Fridays when they start. And then it's like every two hours a new game starts, which would be fun. Um, all right, real quick. Let's just talk about, because uh, we mentioned it last week. We didn't get too deep into it, but just kind of reviewing this offseason, what's going to look like uh, both for the Nationals and for us on the Mass and All Access podcast. Um there's not going to be too much news between now and the end of the World Series. Uh, MLB does not like teams making news and taking away attention away from the postseason. Uh, you might see some 40-man roster moving, but that's pretty much it. Maybe some minor league stuff. Um, free agency scheduled to start a week after the World Series ends. Um, and the big question mark looming over all of this, Amy, is the CBA expires December 1st. There needs to be a new collective bargaining agreement before anything else moves forward. Winter meetings is supposed to be take place December 5th through 9th, now in San Diego, apparently, according to my sources in Paul Mancano. Um, and the Rule 5 draft taking place on that last day, December 9th. But with no CBA, it's still kind of up in the air. It seems like um, teams can protect uh, from the Rule 5 draft by adding guys to the four-man roster by November 19th. Um, that's pretty much all the deadlines we have because, like I said, there's a huge question mark between now or I guess between December 1st and the start of spring training of what's going to happen. There could be uh, a work stoppage. Right. This this offseason could be the most convoluted that we've seen in a long time. They've been able to, to, to go without work stoppages since 94. Yeah. yeah, 94 when they had that strike. So hopefully we don't see it this year for both baseball's sake and our sake. Um, you never want to see that. So hopefully they can work it out. But obviously the CBA is going to be a big question mark, and that's going to kind of determine how the rest of the offseason goes. So it'll definitely be interesting. Um, but I guess, you know, the first thing on our checklist and this offseason is going to be adding those guys to the 40-man roster, preparing for the Rule 5 draft and, and winter meetings. Yeah, we'll have a full breakdown of which players are going to be possibly exposed or possibly protected from that later on in the off season. The one thing, you know, I think about this CBA and we were, we were also happy to have somewhat of a 2020 season last year. We're all happy to have a 2021 season and be back in the ballpark. We'll never take that for granted again, but we all knew this was coming. This is all stemming from not only the CBA expiring, but from the terrible back and forth between the league and the players association during the COVID pandemic and during the shutdown, I don't think those bad feelings have gone away too much. They only just settled on <laughs> COVID protocols for the postseason, like on Saturday night. That's just, I mean, come on now. So it's, I, I just don't think this is going to be an easy process, an easy road. If there's still a lot of hard feelings between the players and the owners. Um, and it could be a very quiet December, January leading into February. Um, and, and it could be a struggle for, for, for you and I on, on the podcast <laughs> oh, as we man. struggle for content once again. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully everybody, hopefully it just works out. Yeah. It, it can work itself, work itself out quickly. Uh, but like you mentioned, there are some bad feelings and it's setting itself up to, to not be pretty. Yeah. Well, well, but we'll see either way. We'll work stoppage it. or not, we will be here. Our plan is to do weekly live podcasts every single week on Facebook and the Mass and Nationals YouTube channel. So be sure to tune in. 
probably Tuesdays or Wednesdays, depending on scheduling. Um, it'll kind of fluctuate. You, you, you'll see us live. If you go to our YouTube channel, it'll show upcoming live streams. You'll have at least a day in advance notice of when we'll be going live. Any breaking news, you can see either one of us go live covering any Nationals breaking news, um, possibly from our homes, possibly from here uh, to cover it. Of course, Mark Zuckerman has you covered on MassInSports.com throughout the offseason. I'll be chipping in as well, helping him cover some things and maybe just writing some blog posts um, with some thoughts on the Nationals throughout this offseason. Amy will have a couple packages to go on our, our social media channel. So plenty of coverage this offseason, whether or not there's a work stoppage. We will have your baseball coverage across the board on Mass and Nationals uh, social media channels and on the MassInSports.com website. Um, there might be a week or two where we, we, we miss a, a podcast due to holidays, due to vacations, due to time off, whatever that may be. But Fred, not, we will be try to be doing at least once a week uh, throughout the course of the offseason and into pitchers and catchers reporting in February. I'm pumped. Yeah, Bobby. me too. Postseason baseball. Postseason baseball, offseason baseball for us. Time yep. to maybe sleep in a little bit, get some rest, yep. and uh, kind of rejuvenate and look forward to an exciting 2022 season. Big thanks to Brendan Mortensen behind the sticks, working the podcast this afternoon. Paul Mancano for helping out as well. You can follow the Mass and All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Wherever you get podcasts, you can find the Mass and All Access podcast and catch us live every week on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page and YouTube channel. At Amy J. Jennings News for Amy on Twitter. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Give us a follow. Give us a tweet. We love chatting with you guys all season long and all off season long. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Enjoy the postseason.